If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 4. I want to read uh, just a short portion of Scripture and then I'm going to get right into this. Um, just see where the Lord is leading us tonight. If you're going to be submitted to the Holy Spirit, you have to be willing to follow His leadership and uh, let, the, let the Lord begin to move you by His Spirit. And uh, I want you to go to verse, uh, verse 13, John four thirteen. And the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Father, I thank you tonight for your presence, your spirit, and Lord, just coming and being here with us, Lord, in this service. And just your presence is so beautiful, Lord. And I'm so thankful for the rejoicing hearts and how you're touching so many lives, Lord, and ministering to every person in here. And I just, it's revival, Lord. There's no other description, but a definition, but revival. And uh, Lord, um, I just thank you for that, Lord, that you've passed by us. And God, that we, we, you've visited us, Lord, and this last few weeks have been so beautiful. And I'm just praying, Lord, that you will minister to me, Father God, tonight, through me tonight. Minister to this congregation, and God will give you glory and honor and praise and I just thank you, Lord. I just submit myself unto you. I come under, Lord, the, 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 the fountain, Lord, of your Holy Spirit, Lord, as you just begin to rest upon me. Let the unction of the Holy One, Lord, rest upon me. Speak through me, God. Let everything surface that you want me to say. And I'll give you all the glory and honor and thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, um, I want to share something, and I'm just going to, let the Lord lead me tonight, as always. Amen. Um, you know, Gael sang tonight, and he did an awesome job. He's a, he's a stellar young man and uh, has a heart for God. It's very rare in this generation. There's a lot of young people in here that have a heart for God, a lot of young adults. A lot of people have a heart for God, but it's very rare to see a young person with a heart for God like that. And uh, he had asked me uh, if I would play uh, the piano for him because he was going to be trying out for something that he's going to do at school um, through the choir. So we came in, we practiced a couple times. And, and uh, so I went over this morning, was there at 10 and got into the school and, and sat outside the choir room for about 15 minutes until they let us in and then I went in and we sat down and the, the young people started coming in first thing we did was we went and practiced but then 
we sat down for probably a good 15 minutes to the young people, the, I say young people, it's high schoolers, they all began to come in one by one. And uh, as I sat there, um, I just watched them. And, you know, I just felt the emptiness. I just felt the darkness, the emptiness. And the mark of the world, the mark of an antichrist world, the mark of the devil on their life, just in everything from their actions to the numbness, they're just empty. And I sat there and I felt the spirit of God begin to well up within me. And I thought, Skiles, pull this back. Pull this emotion back for just a moment here. They're going to wonder what in the world is this guy over here crying about. I just turned to Gael and I looked at him and I said, they're lost. And he said, they're lost, Pastor. So we got down. It was our turn. We got down and I said, Lord, please help me because I can play in church, but when I get in front of people that are not church people, I don't know what happens to me, but it just, I can't sing or play or nothing unless I'm at a certain environment. It just, I just feel like I'm just not doing something for the Lord, but I was. And I sat there. I was. I was. And I know that, but I know how I am. And so I just sat there. I said, God, please help me because I don't want to mess this up for him. Please. And I don't want to, you know. So the Lord said, put your, put your paper to the side and just play. Just play. You know it. Just play it. So I sat there and played that. And Gael sang. He had his back to me. I'm at the grand piano. He's in, I don't know, a good six, seven feet away from me. And I couldn't even hardly hear him, but I was trying. I'm playing, and he's singing, and we're playing, and we're singing. And at the end of that song, he turned around to me, and he looked. I thought he was going to cry. I thought, please don't cry, because then I'm going to cry. <laughs> but when I made eye contact with all of the kids that were there, they were like this. And so I said my goodbyes, my pleasantries, and I said this is very nice, and I walked out, and they thanked me. And I was walking out through the high school, and I'm just crying inside. I'm just weeping inside. And I got to my truck, and I sat down in the truck, and I said, God, I said, what just happened in there? He said, Light went into a dark place. Amen. And you know, one can take a thousand, two can take ten thousand. It's a great power where there's numbers. And as I sat there, the Lord reminded me. He said, you remember a prayer you prayed? We pray prayers we forget. He said, remember some time back you prayed a prayer and you said, you know, Angela goes to the clubs and she ministers to all the sex traffic women and even some of the, it's just a whole uh, ugly side of our dark world that we don't even know anything about for the most part. But 
He said, remember how you were down there, you were praying one day, and you were saying, you know, Lord, I know I'm pastoring, and I know I'm doing this, and, and you know, my wife goes, and she ministers in this, this ministry outside of the church. My, my kids, with the rest of the street ministry, go out, and they minister in the highways and the byways, and they go to the tunnels that I didn't even know existed in this city, into the darkest of the dark, you know, so bad that even the police department tells them, don't go down there. But they go down there and they go to all these places and you just, you, you, all these people are just ministering. But I said, you know, where's my external ministry? Where's my outreach ministry? You know, I feel, I feel like I'm leading people, but I'm not even doing what they're doing. And the Lord reminded me, you've taught them, you've led them. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you're doing what you are supposed to have been doing. But he said, you ask me. You specifically ask me, Lord, there's something that you have gifted me for and talented me to do. And, I, and, and you ask me, if you'll open the door, that I'll, I'll show you. If you'll just show me, I'll do it, I'll go. And as I sat there in the car, God said, I just showed you today. He said, I've gifted you in a certain area of your life, music. And he said, that is going to be an inroad. And he said, little Guile's going to help you get in there. Amen. Because as I sat there in that room with those kids around me, you can feel the emptiness. It is a mission field of people in our own backyard. It's like Louis Canchola said years ago. He said, you don't have to go to Mexico to preach to Mexicans. They're all over right here in our own neighborhood. You don't have to go to TJ to do that. They're here. He said, what you don't know is that there is in everybody's life, in everybody's world, your world, we all have a world. And our, our, our world is where we work, where we shop, where we live. In our world. There is opportunity, and they're like, right there. You just didn't see them. So I want to speak to you for just a little bit tonight. I promise you, I, I, I'm not going to keep you long, but I'm going to keep you till God tells me to stop. But I want to open, and I just want to share with you this account in John chapter 4. As I was in prayer, the Lord led me here, and he said, I want you to use that as an example because there's some things in there that people need to hear again and they need to be reminded of concerning outreach and concerning ministering to people. And I'm using this account because no one could evangelize like Jesus. He's the greatest example of an evangelist. Everywhere he was, he evangelized. Amen. I want you to think about it. Everywhere he went, he, 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 he found a common place where he could minister. He used every opportunity, and it's so awesome. If we're going to be soul winners, if we're going to win the lost, we're going to have to be wise. Amen? We're going to have to be wise. And, you know, we're going to have to utilize the information that's right there in front of us. And, and, and God will lead you and guide you, but no one could evangelize like Jesus, and he's the greatest of examples. And the first thing that I took notice of in this chapter, of chapter 4, and it's so beautiful, it's that Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. You know, 
we hear that and people read that in verse 4. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. He had a reason why he had to go through Samaria. Because we must come into contact with people who are not like us. I think sometimes we are in church so long that we, we feel like that the people that we want to reach are the people that are like us and the people that need Jesus are not like us. They're altogether different than us. And, and I think that's one of the greatest evangelistic um, you know, ways that God moves in bringing somebody to a place where they realize, I am not like you. Let's pray to heaven that we set an example and we show Christ and we lead them and show them by our life and by our example. You know, it's like I've said, and I'll say it again. This is in my mind and in my spirit. There's not four gospels. There's five. There's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then it stops. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Kyle. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Jonathan. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Yesenia. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Teresa. Our life is an example. It is a gospel that is preached to the world. And they see you and they say, you know what? I may not be, I may not, I may not have what they have, but I know that I'm not what they are. I'm not what they are. And, uh, you know, all, as you read this, you see Jesus. He, 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 he made it known unto this woman at the well. I'm not better than you, but I am different. I'm different than you. Come on now. So we must come into contact with people who are not like us. And I realized today, with being around those kids, I'm, I am not like these kids. They are not like me, but I have what they need. Amen. I have what they need. And if I'm going to minister to them, I'm going to have to be in their life. I'm going to have to be in their pathway. I'm going to have to be around them. You know, God anoints us and empowers us when we step out of our comfort zone and we step into a place where we're ministering to people outside of our comfort zone and our comfort area. You know, and, and it tells of the Father's love for everyone when we follow the leadership of the Spirit. And Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. Now, I could get into a whole lot of things of why he didn't, why the Jews didn't want to go through Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. They had a resentment towards the Samaritans. They had this disdain for Samaritans because of the way that the Samaritans believed and their half-breed. They consider them half-breeds. But I can tell you, nobody's a reject in God's eyes. Everybody is, is, is a, a, a somebody that he wants to accept and he wants to love. Everybody is... Is, is salvageable, amen? Everybody is loved by God. And we have to have that same love and show that to them. But the Bible says, and I'm just reading this, the Bible says that he went to Jacob's well there, and uh, therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And I love this because Jesus, in this instance, was not a gentleman. Not that he was not a gentleman, but in this instance, he did something that seems out of the box. We go and we always want to minister to people, and we feel like the only way we can minister to them is if we are doing the 
giving, the ministering, the, do you get what I'm saying? We're the giving ones. They need what we have, absolutely. But sometimes, a lot of times, you're not going to get into their life that way. The way to get into their life may be a different avenue. There are some people, you can just minister to them and they're going to embrace it. Yes, I receive what you've given. But there are some people that you're going to run into and you're going to have to be very, very strategic. Spiritually strategic so that you can minister to them effectively. And so Jesus didn't say, you know what? Because most people would say, well, she's a Samaritan woman. She's, I'm a Jew, Jews you know, have nothing to do with the Samaritans, so let me be a gentleman and let me serve her. He didn't do that. Pay attention to what's there. He said, give me something to drink, would you? And you know what? He asked her for something to drink because God is after something in our life. He wants our heart. And that is the question that he asks every person. Can I have your heart? Can I have your love, your affection, your worship back? You know, some people have never worshipped him, but that's what we were created to do. We were created to worship him, and that's what he's saying. Can I have that? Can I have that? Give me something to drink. Well, pastor, I kind of get where you're going, but I'm going to continue on here, and, and, and I believe the Lord's going to show us some things tonight. How often we th- always think evangelism is only successful when we are the ones that are giving. Sometimes they need to be given something, but sometimes we need to humble ourselves and receive something. Now listen, years ago when my dad was not a Christian, I've shared this story, but there's some in here that never heard it before. My dad went to a church, and my dad played music, and his brothers were in a band with him, and they were very good. And they went into the church, and the pastor knew them because they was a small town, but he knew them. They played in the taverns. They played in the bars. They played for proms. They play, played for weddings. They played for everything, live music. That was before DJs. Man. So he went into church, and my dad, you know, before he became a Christian, you know, you don't leave home without your Bible as a pastor, as a minister. Well, he never left his home without his guitar, ever, ever, you know. So the pastor saw him in there, and he said, "Uh, Terry, he said, why don't you come up here, and do you know a religious song? My dad said, I only knew one, and it was take up thy cross and follow me. And he said, I remember my parents saying it when I was a young kid. And he said, I got up there and I knew the words. Because it used to be, they used to play gospel songs on country stations back in the day, way before my day, 50s, 50s, okay? But here is my dad on the platform, and he's playing that song, take up thy cross and follow me. And he said, when I got into the second verse, he said, I was so under conviction. I broke down and I started crying and I couldn't stop. And he said, so I stood there and I bent over. And he said, I took my guitar and I set it over on the chair. And he said, I ran down off of the platform and I fell in that altar. 
And I just began to cry out to God, and I wept through to an experience. He said, now, I wouldn't recommend most pastors do that, but the pastor I sat under that day, he said, what he did was he asked me to give him something and to do something that ended up being my way to salvation. Jesus is the way, but that was the, that was the, 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 the specific, you know, method that God used. And not only did he get saved, but my uncle got saved that night. My mom got saved that night. My Aunt Jodell got saved that night. It was one right after the other, right after the other. It's like the whole family got up there. My Uncle Joe said, when I saw him in that altar crying, I had to go down there too. So a lot of times we think, it's something that I have to do to give to them, but sometimes we got to change our method. Sometimes we have to change that. Every person is different. Every person is different. And you know, the Lord just reminded me of something. Whenever I was working in hospice, and I had a man that I went to go visit. He had melanoma cancer in his face, and he was blind. And I went in there, and he didn't want to see me. He was a staunch, staunch Catholic. Okay? He's like, I... I'm not Protestant, I want a priest. And I said, okay, I'm just doing my job, sir. I said, but can I just sit here and just, could, would you answer a few questions? Yes. And so I was like, Lord, how am I going to get in this guy's life? I saw old guitar in the corner. I said, oh. I said, you play? He said, oh, yeah, I write and play. I said, well, sing me a song. Oh, man, you know musicians. You want me to play? I'll play. I'll sing. Amen. You know? So he started playing. I said, oh, man. I said, play another one. He played another one. I wrote this one. I think he did like three songs. And, and I said, man, that is beautiful. He goes, do you play? I said, I do. <laughs> he couldn't see me anyway. He didn't have his eyesight. <laughs> so I started playing. And the Holy Ghost came right down on me. <laughs> he just sat there like them young people. I'm singing. I'm singing every song I knew in Spanish. I feel Jesus in this place. You know, siento a Cristo. I'm singing. Dad, gracias. I sing every song. A medley. I thought, he asked me to sing. I'm not stopping. I asked for something first got me in the door. I said, well, I know you're Catholic, and I want to get you. Oh, no, he said, come back. We'll sing some more. I said, oh, I love to sing, and I love to hear you. So I went back a week later, two weeks later. He's singing, I'm singing again and again and again and again. I went back like six times. The last time he was on his deathbed, in the bed. And he said, Pastor, get up here right beside my ear. And this was his exact words. He said, I want to go to heaven. And he said, whatever you tell me, I must believe. I will believe it. I went, oh, my gosh. He said, what do I need to do to make heaven? I said, the Lord will forgive you. He said, I just want pardon. So we prayed the sinner's prayer. He cried out to God and he said, Lord, forgive me, please. Forgive, my, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I'm sorry. I mean, he, he cried and he wept and he prayed. And he, I'm telling you, two days later, he was taken up into glory. Sometimes we have to 
get innovative. We have to. Jesus was very innovative. Where your treasure is, I can ter- tell you that the treasure that you share, your heart is surely to follow. So as we go and minister to people, don't come with just a rigid, blunt, textbook approach. Every person is different. Every person is different. Sit down with them. Some people you may have to sit and talk for a while. Sometimes you have to hear their whole story. But you know what? It's, it's just giving you all this information. You can minister to them. You can minister to them. Almighty God. But, but you know, it opens the door for a dialogue, but ultimately um, a genuine display of showing God's love. Jesus showed love because he said, I'm asking you for a drink, and it opened up the dialogue because he was saying, God's not prejudiced. Okay? And he was saying, I want to show you love. I want to show you that there's something that you don't have that I have that I'm the only one that can give it to you. Jesus is the only one. He's the only way. And the Bible says, let me just go on here and finish this. You know, um, the Bible says over in verse 10, 9, 10. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, you would ask, have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And from whence then hast thou this living water. Have you ever talked to somebody and they tried to divert the question but then they came back because they were truly interested in knowing more about God? They'll say, you know what, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And then they start to bring up something. You know what? I do have something I want to ask you. You said something. See, this is what happened. And the Bible said that she said, art thou greater than our Father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. What he was saying is, this natural water, this religious water, this, this natural water. He said, you drink of this, you're going to thirst again. He said, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of springing up of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that a thirst not neither come hither to draw. I just want to say to you, Jesus was slowly revealing there's something better than the life that you're living. To you, some of you sitting in here, I want to say to you, there's something better than the life that you're living. There's a lot of people in here uh, that, that, that are here tonight and you have band-aided your life with something. In her case, she band-aided her life with five different husbands. Because she said, I want this living water. Well, there's a way to get to that living water. 
but you're going to have to come by way of the cross and come by way of repentance. You're going to have to surrender that and step aside from the natural and begin to partake of the you know, supernatural or the eternal life. He said, you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. In other words, you've had five husbands and the man you're with is not your husband. You've answered correctly, man. But what he was saying is if you keep on going, it'll be another man, then another man, then another man, then another man. Because you're trying to fill your life with a natural means. And it may not be a relationship. It may be a job. It may be money. It may be some ambition or pursuit in life. It may be something that you're after. Some, the devil will lie to people and tell them there's a greater high. There's a greater, you know, gratification of something in your life. But I can tell you, you'll always come up empty. That's where this world's at. Without Christ, they're empty. But he said, you keep drinking of this water, you're always going to thirst. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Amen. Amen. In other words, I will quench that desire in your life and satisfy it. I'll satisfy it. I'll satisfy it. Jesus was revealing there's something better than the life that you're living. Know how we need the living water. We need the living God. You know, she said to him in verse 11, Sir, I want you to see the progression. How that she went from you're a Jew to you're a sir to you're a prophet to he's the Christ. See the phases of how she began to highly esteem God with each time he began to minister to her, she went from you're just a Jew to you're a sir to you're a prophet. And now she goes to the men and says, I met a man that told me everything that I ever did. Is he not the Christ? You see, God is trying to bring every one of us from a place where of a, of, of a place where we do not know God to the place to where we really realize and know who God is. Amen. You want to know why people don't worship God? They don't know who He is. They worship, they know not what. But Jesus said, we know. We know who we worship. We don't worship a what, we worship a who. But going on in verse 11, she said, sir, in, in verse 14. I want to read 11 through 14. Well, I already did that, praise the Lord. But let us not make the mistake of not making the life of Christ the main thing. The living water. We focus on a better life, a prosperous life. God will do all of these things, but that is not the most, that's not what's important. It's eternal life. It's the life of God in your life. It's, it's, it's having this. It's having Jesus. You know? And uh, we, we fo but a lot of preachers, you're going to hear them, they focus on a better life. They pro focus on a prosperous life. And God will do that. I found out when I got Jesus, He prospered me, and I didn't even know it. I told somebody the other day, I said, I don't, maybe I said it to myself. <laughs> Sometimes I preach to myself, don't look at me funny. <laughs> I don't amen myself. But I thought, Lord, I don't really preach prosperity, but I live that. That's what I, what I have. 
Because it's, it's in my soul. It's in my spirit. My whole life has changed. It's freedom. It's, it's prosperity. It's being able to sleep at night. Prosperity's having joy in your soul and not being empty. Prosperity's knowing where you're going, knowing that you have a purpose in God, knowing that you have a life in God, and worshiping God, amen, in spirit and in truth. That's what being prosperous is. It's not what you drive or where you live or what you wear. It's who you know. Prosperity's going from the natural water pot and dropping it and saying, I embrace the eternal life. <laughs> well, if people do not drink of the living water, they'll go back to the old watering hole. We have to evangelize them and love them and show them the truth. Bring them to the Life giver, lead them to him. In verse 15, the Bible says, The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go and call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. You know what's so, what's so beautiful is Jesus ministered and, and brought her to a place of conviction but he didn't stomp her head in that conviction. He said, I, you know what? You've said something that's commendable. You're not married. You're right. But the man you're with is not your husband. She never said, I didn't have five husbands. She knew that was true. But I've said this, and this is for somebody tonight. She had to meet the perfect man. She had five, and she's with, it's not her husband, but she met the perfect man that day. We all need to meet the perfect man. His name is Jesus. And, and, and just in case you didn't realize it, but as Christians that are blood-bought, we are the bride of Christ. Amen. And he is not only our father, but the Bible says as the bride, he's our husband. Amen. He takes care of us. But just notice the grace and love of Jesus as he ministers with the scalpel of conviction. He never reveled in the details of her five past husbands. He revealed all of that so that he could bring her to a place of forgiveness and a knowledge of truth. And the Bible says that in verse 17... The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have, you have well said you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and he who you now have is not your husband, and that you said truly. And the woman said unto him, him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. I'm telling you, she's getting closer. She's getting closer. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. You know, people, the closer they get to the Lord sometimes, or in, under conviction, then people start getting real religious. You ever notice that? Amen. You'll start talking to them and you'll start ministering to them. And they'll go, well, my grandma, yeah, we know about your grandma, okay? We know your grandma was a Christian and she, was, she went to church and all this. But what about you? What about your life? She said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What, 
I'm telling you, what was taking place was Jesus was asking the right questions. He was ministering to the right person who down deep inside in her heart was ripe and ready. She wanted something different than what she had. She'd already tried all of that. She'd been there, done that, and she kept repeating the same old pattern. And what she was saying is, I want something different down deep inside. But she, she didn't have anybody to tell that to until Jesus came into her life and he said, you can drink of this living water and you can worship the Father. He wants your worship. He wants your life. He wants to change your life but bring you to a place where you realize what it means to really have a relationship with God. Oh, it's exciting. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. But we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship. God shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, we need to come to church. We need to be in the house of God. Amen. That's the truth. We need to know the word of God. That's the truth. We need to sit under teaching that is the real, true, unadulterated, uncompromised word of God. That's the truth. But, you know, we cannot be imbalanced. We cannot be only word or we cannot be only spirit. We need to be both. Absolutely both. We need to be people that know their word and operate in the truth of the word of God. But we also need to be people that are free in our spirit and we are full of the Holy Spirit. When I say free in our spirit, I don't mean a free spirit. What I mean is a person that is full of the Holy Spirit that is okay with just worshiping God. I mean, they're free. They're like, and when you get full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to worship God. Amen. When I see, you know, Jesse's mom, and she's just, I mean, she's like Tigger. She's all over the place. She's worshiping God. And you know what? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. Don't change a thing. You be you. That's who she is because she knows God loves her. She knows God touched her. She knows God delivered her. She knows God setting, set her free. She's worshiping God because she feels something the world didn't give her, religion didn't give her, and nobody can take it away because God gave it to her. God spoke to her. God revealed himself to her. Amen. Amen. What an awesome God. He said, the Father seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth, that stand in the truth of the word of God and don't budge from that, but are free in the spirit. Amen. You know, we, we live in a society, in a Christian, a Christian world, where I feel like that there's churches that only focus on the word and they're dry as ever. And then you got churches that it's only spirit, spirit. And there's not a good foundation 
and a, a central theme and thread in their everything that they're doing that has a solid foundation and grasp on the Word of God. You have to have both. I try my very best to make sure that we have both here. Amen. I, I, I want to make sure that we preach the Word and we keep Christ center because I can tell you, He's in the center of that Bible. He's in the front. He's in the middle. He's in the end. I was studying today, and it blew me away. It just set me free. He said, oh, Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, I'm sorry. Abraham took Isaac to the, to the mountain, and, and, and he had the wood, and he had the fire. And, uh, but he said, you know, where is the sacrifice? That's the question. Where is the sacrifice? And uh, so uh, when you go to the book of John, and you start reading in the first chapter of the book of John, John the Baptist says, here comes Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. There is the sacrifice right there. All through the Old Testament, they're looking for where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? Here is the sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus died on an old rugged cross for our sins. He is the sacrifice. Amen? But then we come to the end of all things, and when we're in eternity and at the throne of God, the next question is asked or spoken. It's a statement. And it's worthy is the lamb that was slain. So we see he's in the beginning of the Bible. He's at the front of the New Testament and he in the fulfillment. And he's at the end of all things. He is in that group in the throne of God that steps out a lamb that was slain. And they're singing worthy is the lamb. Where is the sacrifice? Who is the sacrifice? Jesus. He has to be the central theme of everything. He's the sum total of everything that we stand upon. But let me get here and finish. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. I'm surprised Jesus didn't say, I just did. But he's so gracious. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. In the original manuscripts, he is not there. He says, I am. I that speak unto thee am. You're looking at the Messiah is what he was saying. But for our English language and understanding, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. You know, there's going to be people that are going to say, why are you even wasting your time on that person? Because the Lord wasted his time on us. In fact, he didn't waste it, he lavished it on us. And some of us, it took a long time to get where we're at today for him to get us in the ark. <laughs> took me a couple years of just kind of fumbling around, going into church, feeling the Spirit of God and running out. Go back in. I wasn't ready to commit. I'd leave. But there came a moment in time when I said, I'm ready to serve God. And my day of visitation happened. And I became a Christian. And he said, I that speak unto thee, and he, and the disciples came, marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, 
What seekest thou? You didn't talk to Jesus like that. Why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. That's a I'll preach right there. Some people need to leave their water pot. Amen. What's my water pot? I don't know. It might be a man. It might be a relationship. It might be all the relationships. It might be the fact that, you know, you don't want to give up your gambling. It might be the fact that you don't want to give up your drinking or your drugs or your smoking habit. Or it, but ultimately, it's that you aren't surrendering your everything's unto God. I don't know what's in your water pot. But I know that it is a natural thing. And you have to understand the only one that can fill that void in your life with the eternal, with the, with the spiritual, is the one who created you and made you an eternal soul. I'm going to close with this. The Lord's telling me to do it. And we're going to pray. But I read an excerpt one time that said, everything that God created, and he created, the trees, the animals, the fish, everything, he created an environment for them to be in to sustain life. Would you agree? He made trees, but in order for trees to flourish and thrive, he had to have dirt and an environment for them to be in with, you know, an environment with moisture and water. But they had to have dirt. You can't pull a tree up from its roots and it live. It's going to die. But if it's in the ground, it'll live. He put fish created fish, but you can't have fish out of water. Their environment is water. Okay? So he spoke something and then he, he created for, that, for something to live in that environment. He, he said he created the heavens and the earth. He created the, the, the seas and then he put the fish in the sea and he put the, the creeping things upon the earth and he put the trees. and he, Everything that God created in creation, he created an environment for them to exist in and live. Okay? But when it came to man, when he created you and I, humanity, he turned into himself. And he said, let us make man in our own image. So what does that tell you and me? The environment that a human being that has a living soul, the only environment that they will exist in is an environment with God in it. Think about it. The only environment that we're going to exist in and thrive and be blessed and at peace and be normal, like a, a normal thriving. It's going to be an environment in, in God, that environment that he created for us. And that's why people are dead spiritually. They're alive, but they're dead. All those kids that I saw today, for the most part in there, except for the one I was sitting next to, were dead. Death is all over them. Death is all over them. I even saw in that choir, I said, oh, I know who the shot caller is here. You know, I've been around, you know, a few places. And so I go, I know who the shot caller is here. And I said, we're going to pray him right. Amen. But there's just death, darkness, because there is no God. But when people come into the environment of God, they live. And they go, this is how it feels to be free. This is how it feels 
to be the way that God intended me to be? Yes. Yes. That's why they call it born again. Because old things are passed away, all things become new. And if you're not born again tonight, you can be in this altar. I know it's a Thursday night, but ain't no better time to get saved than on a Thursday night. Would you bow your heads in prayer tonight? Thank you, Lord. Father, tonight as we come to a close, I don't know where everybody's at in this house spiritually, but I know that you know, God. And my prayer tonight is that you will draw them by your spirit that there were some, Lord, that learned that we have to kind of be creative in our evangelism and outreach. And some that realized, I'm the one that needs the outreach. Touch me tonight, Lord. Father, I'm asking you right now, for those that are here that need a touch from God, that you will touch them tonight. Whether it's right where they're sitting or they come and they come in the altar and they pray. I'm praying that you minister to everyone tonight. Lord, touch them in a powerful way. Draw them by your spirit, Lord. In the name of Jesus, tonight, Lord, I thank you. I put it in your hands, Lord, and trust you tonight, Lord. I thank you. Jesus, draw by your spirit.